Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Empire. Hello and welcome to my podcast. Today I'm joined by Washington rookie linebacker Jamin Davis, whose play has been improving of late. I'm also joined by ESPN's Jeff Legwald as we discuss the Denver Broncos and also a little bit about the NFL draft and the quarterback class. Jeff compiles a top 100 list every spring that's a must read. It's based on numerous interviews with scouts, executives, and his own, his own film study and then going to some college games when he can on the road. So he has some early thoughts on this quarterback class, which will be of interest to Washington fans, of course. You can follow Leggy on Twitter at Jeff underscore Legwald, and you can read my work and Jeff's on ESPN.com. I wrote a story about Landon Collins' transition to a new role. Yes, it's a linebacker, but it's more than that, which is why the coaches don't want to just use one word to describe it. Before I play my conversations, here's my prediction. I have Washington winning a close game. I'll say 21-20, 21-17, take your pick, something like that. But here's my reasoning. I like how Washington played defensively last week in Green Bay, and I think they'll have success on that end of the ball on Sunday. I do know that quarterback Teddy Bridgewater had success against them in Carolina last season. Part of that problem was, an, was Washington had an offense that was led by the ineffective Dwayne Haskins for three quarters. Denver getting Jerry Judy back at receiver is huge. Jeff will talk more about him in a minute. He matters. But I do like how Washington's defensive line is playing. I've seen examples of stronger coordinated rushes, for example, especially with John Allen and Montez Sweat. They had one rush the other day that resulted in a red zone pressure by Sweat that forced Aaron Rodgers to throw the ball away. It was not a design stunt. But before the snap, I saw Allen and Sweat look at each other, communicate with one another. After about four or five steps up the field, Sweat loops inside almost if it was, basically it did not look like a planned one. It looked like a little bit unplanned, but Allen replaces him outside. That's what a coordinator rush does. I've seen more and more of that, and I think that stems from more communication during the week and practice and film rooms, and then now you're seeing it on the field. And again, I like how Jamin Davis is progressing, as do they. And I'm going to ask him about this one play I saw in this game, but I saw him aggressively fill a gap, scrape over to make a two-yard stop with help from Cole Holcomb and Landon Collins. But it's what they want to see more of him, and they're starting to see it more consistently. He's getting close, I think, to taking more reps in the middle ahead of Holcomb. I don't know when that's going to happen full-time, but it's trending that way, and it would allow Holcomb to slide outside, which they feel is his more natural position. If Washington had received better red zone offense last week, I think most fans would feel pretty good about Sunday's game. But that's where this leap of faith occurs, and that's that the offense can not only be effective moving the ball against Denver, but also convert. Denver's defense ranks 29th in the NFL over the last three games in rushing yards allowed per game. That's what Washington must take advantage of, as Cleveland did with a backup quarterback and a third-string running back. But the Browns blocking their line schemes were terrific. They hurt Denver with screens, and there have been some huge gains available for Washington in the screen game if Washington could execute them better. 
Cleveland also spread the Broncos out and had success running the ball against some six-man boxes. And they again, they used they had good tight end blocking, they had good receiver blocking. But I think Washington should be able to do that against Denver if Scott Turner sticks with that philosophy. Don't put this game on Taylor Heineke. I'm sounding like a broken record every week, but that's true. Now, Heineke, I did think, played better against Green Bay, except in the red zone. That's obviously a huge, huge key. You have to finish. So whatever, if you play well in the red zone, you're going to have a good game. If they do that, they'll win. I liked how Washington played last week. It just needs to finish those drives a lot better. That's the key, as Scott Turner said on Thursday. It's kind of the key. You've got to score points to win. But I do think if they play the same way this week, they will have success. Both teams desperately need to win. With Denver, I'm not sold that the players believe in Vic Fangio as their head coach. Could be on his way out. A lot of rumors about him already. Here, not at that point yet. That's not the case. And, And so I think the situations are a lot different. Anyway, that's why I think Washington will win. That's it from me. After this break, I'll be back with Washington linebacker Jamin Davis, where he feels like he's better, and that one play against Green Bay that helps show his progress. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. NFL fans, hungry for a big win this week? DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, has you covered. New customers can bet just $5 on any NFL team to win their game. And if they do, you win $200 in free bets. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, DraftKings won't leave you empty-handed. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes all season long with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports Contest. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code KIME, that's K-E-I-M, bet just $5 on any NFL team to win their game and win $200 in free bets. If they win, you win with promo code KIME, K-E-I-M, this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Welcome back. Now here's my conversation with Washington rookie linebacker Jamin Davis. I do want to talk about how you've been playing lately because it seems like more and more you're playing the way probably not only you but what they want to see from you. Do you agree with that? And what, what are you seeing in yourself? Definitely. Uh, I mean, past few weeks, it's just been me just building confidence as much as possible. Um, that came a lot from just film and things that I've been seeing with a lot of the other guys and just, just spending a lot of extra time up here at this facility. But um, for the most part, yeah, it's just me just going out there and not really doing a lot of extra thinking, just going out and just knowing that I'm here for a reason and just going out and just trying to play my game as best as possible. There was a play against Green Bay that I did want to ask you. It almost seems like it's indicative of your comfort level. I think it was early in the game. You fill the A-gap on a run, scrape, it's a two-yard tackle. 
do you remember that play and was that a sign of anything for you? I think like Cole and Landon helped on that too, but you attack the gap and then you slide over and make the oh, stop. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So I mean, I definitely, that was just one of those things they taught me was like, be first to your job and then just play ball after that. That's a big thing that we have, it's called finish on the ball. So I mean, I, that's one of the main things I wanted to make sure was that the first thing I did was be first to my job and then I just, at that point, just mirror the ball, see ball, get ball at that point. But um, yeah, just that's that's definitely something I want to put a big emphasis on is just being being able to go out there and just be free, um, not do a lot of extra thinking, play as fast as possible. Because at the end of the day, if you do make a mistake, you want to make it a thousand miles per hour. So, are you noticing more plays like that happening for yourself where you're able to like not just maybe pause, but you can just go? Yes, sir, for sure. Like it's to the point now where I know where I'm supposed to be, so it's just like just get there. You know what I mean? Like you, there's no extra thinking or anything to it. It's just. Cole Holcomb actually writes on his forearm, just go. So that's that's one of the things that we put a big emphasis on is just go. Like There's no extra thinking. You just go out there and play ball. And then the other play, the flip side, is that touchdown. Now, I know on that one, my understanding was you came to the sidelines, you knew right away what yeah. went wrong. What, go ahead. I was about to say, um, it was definitely a man-to-man -man principle where me and uh, 31 had switched off on our man. But um, I should have used the safety inside of me instead to be prepared for the seven cut. But, I mean, it was my first time being at that dime position. So, I mean, it's something that I know going forward, and I guarantee that ball will be picked off next time. So what could you have done? Because you're aligned inside on that play. What What is the steps that you would have taken differently to make sure you get outside? Was it before the snap? Is it after? After the snap, just okay. knowing that, especially the way that he ran his route, knowing that I have safety help inside of me, I would I want to go ahead and convert outside of him for the seven cuts so I can basically be sitting on the ball. And you knew that right away after yeah, the play? I, yeah, I knew right away. So. Is that a good sign too when you know like, I mean, I, coaches always say, at least he knew. I yeah, mean, definitely, especially being that it was so early in the game, there's no reason to get discouraged. I mean, as you playing in this league, people are gonna make plays, so you just gotta keep going and show them what you about as well. So, I mean, going forward is something that I know and I learn from and just, I gotta keep going. But if you didn't know, that would be a problem. And my yeah, point is like, yeah. if you didn't know what you did wrong, right. that would be a problem. Right, I definitely think that would have been a big problem if I didn't know where I was supposed to be, you know what I mean? So. And what else, What's has anything surprised you so far through these you know, first six, seven, or six, seven games, I guess, um, about the NFL, about what you need to do or anything? Not necessarily surprised me. It was everything I expected. I knew right away I was gonna have to just get with it or get left, you know what I mean? It's, 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 it's a league that'll chew you up and spit you out if you let it. So I knew I had to just do as much as I can to learn as fast as possible because, I mean, I can't really pay attention to any expectations that people may have for me. I just want to go out and play my game at the end of the day. And now that that comfort level is starting to come up for me, it's just now I'm playing Jamie Davis football. Is it hard though? You're a first round pick, so you know there's gonna always be expectations. It's hard to shut that out. It's not hard at all. I mean, I've been, I've dealt with stuff like that my entire life with people trying to set the bar for me and what they think I should be and whatever else. But at the end of the day, like, they're not the ones that's putting on these pads and stepping out here on the field that they don't know what it takes to even get this far. So, I mean, going forward, that's always going to be something that I piggyback on is just knowing who I am and just staying grounded with the, the, the person that I grew up to be with my family around me, my friends supporting me going forward, and it just always will be me just going out there trying to make plays and do what I do best. And also, I, going back to the coverage, because I don't want to just talk about that one play, because against Kansas City, it looked like you were very strong in coverage too, and that was a big game plan for that. What, have you, what do you feel you've been able to do well in coverage and where you feel most comfortable? Um, I can't really pinpoint anything like specifically on that note, but I mean, Whenever my number's called, I'm gonna just step up and go out there and play ball. I mean, like just knowing where I'm supposed to be, knowing my assignment, knowing where I'm supposed to be in coverage, run fits as well. I mean, just trying to be a true sideline, next sideline guy and just being exact 
And like I said, just trying to play fast and play with my hair on fire. That's all it really boils down to. Do you feel you're, how close do you feel you are to playing the way that you know, you know, that you want to really play? I feel like I'm pretty much getting there now. It's, it's no extra thinking, it's no extra just, just cringing and, and playing tight. It's more so just loosening up and just playing ball at this point. So, I mean, now I feel like I'm just really getting to playing my own game. Now, you do like that phrase, hair on fire. Yeah. Where, where, how, if you, is that something you've always used or something like that? Definitely. Just growing up, that was at, when I first fell in love with playing defense and playing like as a linebacker, a true linebacker guy, I wanted to be a guy that it sticks out, that I'm, I'm out there to, to fly around. And once I figure out just and I diagnose the play, I'm, I'm flying there with my hair on fire pretty there much. So. There you go. After this break, I'll be back with ESPN's Jeff Legwald. He's one of our draft experts in addition to doing a great job covering Denver. There's one quarterback in this draft class in the spring that he's already starting to like. Welcome back. Now here's my conversation with ESPN's Jeff Legwald. All right, Leggy. So I look up and the Broncos are 3-0. I look back up and they're 3-4. and What's going on there? Yeah, well... If you, other than the raw panic in the in the region, uh, I would say that uh, they got away for what what was working, especially on offense. They've they've decided that you know early you know not to get too deep in the weeds and the X's and O's, but early in the season they were 50-50, uh, roughly Bridgewater under center and in the shotgun, and then suddenly in week four they decided they were going to be the shotgun team all the time and they don't protect very well in it and they don't run the ball very well in it. And uh, the offense has gone south because of it. And there hasn't really been a good explanation for it. So uh, I wish I could offer people a pearl of wisdom as to why they made that decision, but they, they've been sort of vague about it. You know, the old that's, we want to call plays that work and we like the matchups and all of that. All I know is when I, look at the game video over and over again. I see a very diversified offense throwing the ball down the field with the quarterback under center and one that can't get a first down really uh, when they're in the shotgun. So uh, we'll, we'll see what the, the weekend holds. And then injuries have crushed them, especially on defense. Right. I mean, they, they currently have seven linebackers alone on IR, uh, three of them uh, starters. Uh, in, in that mix, and that doesn't even include uh, the other people who've gone on IR. I think yesterday they had 16 players on IR, again, seven of them linebackers. However, the Washington football team will get to see Jerry Judy's return to okay. the field, so he will be one player coming back. And I was going to ask you about him, and <clears throat> we are taping this on a Tuesday, so there's always a week to go, but that they are confident that he's coming back. Well, he's looked really good on the field. So I think unless there okay. is some unexpected setback for him, uh, that he's coming back and, and he will instantly change the dynamic of the offense because he was he was uncoverable in the preseason and in the opener, uh, even on the play he was hurt. He he had a big play waiting to happen. So he cha- he does changes how the how this offense looks. So uh, that will that will certainly help him being back what makes him so good you know his routes John are are he's an extraordinary route runner last year he did have some drops uh most of them in one game I mean he had a five drop day against the Chargers 
and it was just, you know, I, I looked at probably two years of his college video before the draft and, and he never really had a problem dropping the ball. Occasionally he would have the turn my head and want to run drops, but uh, he never had anything close to what he had last year. But I, I kept telling people he has the hard part already figured out. His routes are yeah. meticulous and his explosiveness in and out of the cuts are, are is very rare. And, you know, can he get his hands consistently going? You know, he did in college. I believe he will as a pro, but it, his routes separate him from, from many, most others. I mean, he, he has taken experienced cornerbacks and, and spun them around and he's very difficult one-on-one -on -one matchup. That quarterback position, you know, that I cover a team that's been looking for one forever. Yeah. You know, <laughs> everybody so, wants one. You know, well, everybody like, wants one. And, and, you know, but, Broncos take Drew Locke a couple years ago. Now you're on to Teddy. What is that at? I mean, and I guess even stretching out even further, are they going to be in the Aaron Rodgers sweepstakes, I guess, in the offseason? Or, or what do you think happens? They're going to, yeah, they're going to be in any and all sweepstakes. Teddy's on a one-year contract. So even if he plays awesome, uh, they're facing a decision with Teddy. Now, I will say, Teddy Bridgewater has been a revelation for this team. The players in the locker room, uh, can't say enough about him. He has shown toughness uh, playing through injury. He's been, he ain't the problem. You know, a lot of people want to say, you know, he doesn't have the rocket arm and all of that. All I know is uh, when they've had things going on offense, it's because Teddy Bridgewater's doing his thing and that they've protected him. That's been the key. Uh, when, when the protection is broken down, which is one of my complaints or criticisms of, them going three wide and shotgun so much as they, they don't protect them very well at all. In fact, all every sack, but two in the four game losing streak is in three wide. So uh, I just think when they give him the protection he needs, he's been really, really good. And I think he's playing well enough. They, they will face a decision with that. You know, will they bring in a somebody else and try to keep Teddy I, you know, I think all of it will be on the table, but, you know, they did make one of the two phone calls about Aaron Rodgers before the draft. They were told very quickly Rodgers is not on the market and that they left it at that. They, in fact, they didn't even get to talk to Packers GM Brian Goodenkunst when they, when they made the call. So, but they did inquire, they were told he ain't on the market. So I, I think they would revisit it because they're going to have a lot of cap room. They're going to be – they are a team in position, no matter how they finish this year, to participate in the offseason as much as they want. You know, and, and, and for those listening, Jeff wrote a good story on you know, basically the towel of Teddy, right, a couple of weeks ago, just a lot of his sayings and what he means to the locker room. So it's worth checking out because I have a feeling that maybe that guy ends up in Washington at some point because he's playing that musical chairs or that musical chairs carousel – with this league, if you don't have a quarter, if you can't get a quarterback, you don't have one, you're not going to get one. You can always call Teddy because he'd probably be available. And he had something too. What's Drew Locke? Like what happened there? You know, I think, you know, it's a classic case of, of <clears throat> the pressure teams face. Now, if, if you take a quarterback anywhere in the first two days of the draft, I used to say it was the first round or even just the upper half 
of the first round. But now if you take a quarterback in the first two days of the draft, uh, the people, the paying customers will ask you incessantly when that guy's going to play uh, until he plays. Mm-hmm. And that will always be hanging over you no matter what, no matter what timetable you want to get the guy ready to play. Like Trey Lance. Trey Lance is one of my right. favorite prospects on the board before the draft. He, he was my QB2 uh, in the draft when I, when I ranked the quarterbacks. But I said, in no way is he ready to play as a rookie. But look what we're seeing already. I mean, I, I don't know many football people who would say he's ready to play as a rookie. And frankly, all of these guys showed they weren't really ready right. to play as rookies. But the, just the public pressure and the fact that free agency exists. I mean, it was real easy before free agency when you and I started covering this league that if you wanted to sit a quarterback for as long as you wanted, you could do it because they couldn't go anywhere. Now, if you don't pick the guy in the first round, you've only got him four years. And even if you pick him in the first round, you've got him for five. So he probably had three really good ones. And then you've got to decide whether or not to sign him for a hundred million dollars. So I, th- I think the whole environment now is for them to play. And Drew Locke simply played too soon and his confidence took an enormous hit, which is I, I personally think that's the burnout factor at the QB position because when they lose their confidence, it's terribly difficult for them to get it back in real time uh, because you, you're often going to yet another struggling team. Uh, you don't get the infrastructure around you to, to fix it. And I think that's why you often see guys like Ryan Tannehill go a long time and then suddenly the maturity catches up, the ability to process catches up. And then suddenly they're, they're good productive quarterbacks, but they had to sort of, you know, wander the the desert for a few years before they got the chance. You do. Jeff also does a top 100 uh, players every year before the draft. So it's exhaustive research. It's great stuff that comes out right before the draft. But I'm curious because both these teams we cover need quarterbacks. Do you have you already started looking at some of these college quarterbacks, or at least talking to people who are scouting them? Yeah, you know, I I, I tinker at it through the year, John. As I and I, I go figure through, it's yeah, no, I, I and part of you, uh, being on the road doing road games, I can get out uh, occasionally. I get to games. I I'll meet scouts on the road uh, who are in that region. So, you know, I'm, I'm cranking away at, you know, this is not going to be a great quarterback class for people looking for immediate help. At least it's not shaping up that way. Now, there will be guys taken in the first round very early because uh, I've always said there are two boards. There's the quarterback board right. and there's everybody else. So uh, I do like the Pitt quarterback an awful lot. He's really shown Pickett, yeah. Pickett's got a lot going on that's awfully good and you know, even he may get overdrafted now because he's rising above the other guy, but he shows the most composure. I I think the guy at Liberty has the biggest, you know, the proverbial upside, but he's going to be a tough evaluation because he physically can dominate the people he's playing. And, but he, he's a extremely intriguing prospect. And, you know, if arm strength's your thing, that's the guy he can just rifle it. And he can make guys miss too when he gets in the open yeah. field, when he runs all that and Matt, Matt Corral and 
You know, he's another yeah, one. Carson Matt Strong's Corral's another a guy one. Who, you know, any of your uh, shotgun three wide teams are, are going to like Matt Corral because, you know, I think Lane Kiffin is giving him an, some line of scrimmage responsibilities. And that to me was what Trey Lance is his advantage was coming right. into the draft, even over Trevor Lawrence, was yep. that Trey Lance's coach uh, let him process at the line of scrimmage and manipulate plays. And not a lot of college coaches are willing to do that. I think that's stifled the quarterback development as much as anything. But I, I think Lane Kiffin is letting Matt Kerr, at least as I see it, it looks like he's letting him do some things. And he's, he's got that mobility component too that, that people are going to like. And do you hear from scouts and all that? Are they are they universally down on this class, or at least that it's either whether it's not the depth or the high end guys? And you know what? What do you, what's the, and again, this is early feedback, and there's yeah, always guys yeah. that people fall in love with. I mean, at this point last year, I don't know if Zach Wilson is a guy that people yeah. thought would be number two exactly. overall. So you know, I know that things can change, but at this point, is that kind of a universal feeling, or is there anybody that might say, actually, I think it's better than that? Well, you know. It, it's funny, John, because I always think that every year about this time, Halloween to Thanksgiving, that that area, mm-hmm. everyone tells you how bad the quarterback class is. And then four get taken in the top 10, you know, every <laughs> yeah. every draft. So True. Uh, I do think I think people will get more comfortable with prospects as they meet them and, and go through the whole. Pro- and if there's a if there's a combine this year, that will help some of the guys just because they can sit down in front of people face to face and teams will get a better medical evaluation if there's a combine uh, this year that's scheduled. So, right. Uh, but I think people will, you know, they'll say it's not a great class, but they'll find some comfort level with somebody in it, I, I think. And to me, Pickett has the best chance of offering people the comfort level because he is playing more like an NFL guy yeah. right now than, than a lot of the other guys are. Well, let's switch back to the Broncos and, and, and they're de- and I'm going to have a couple more topics. And then with the defense first, Von Miller's status, do you think he'll play? He seemed confident after the Browns game that he would be ready. You think he'll play and how are they holding up? Because I know they've been tested with their linebacker depth among other, other areas. And Ronald Darby, I think is not playing is hurt again. So how, how, what's, What's the story on that side of the ball? Well, Darby is back in the lineup, and then uh, Miller did not practice today, which is Tuesday. So, and yeah. Uh, so check back on check there. back on Jeff with Jeff on Twitter <laughs> yeah. to follow up on Friday. But you know, but, but go they, on. They have they have issued the proverbial day to day, John. That's the uh, description <laughs> we're getting now. You know, I I think if Von Von wants to play, he he is. Uh, you know, disconsolate is probably too strong a word, but he, he is extremely bummed at how they've played and how he's played. He's been very honest that he needs to do more. So, you know, he's only had a half a sack in the in the four-game losing streak. So, uh, you know, now the Browns did everything they could to get the ball out of there, yeah. and there, was, there weren't many pass rush opportunities. But uh, part of the issue – but I, I think Bond will play if he can get on the practice field by – Thursday limited, Friday limited or close to full, I think he plays. If people are watching the injury reports, if you see Von Miller limited by Thursday, I think he's playing Sunday. There you go. And then 
with that defense, I mean, oh, the, the stats are really bad. Is it just the injuries or is there something else going on? Well, they're, they're losing the line of scrimmage and the losing streak. Their stats right. are very good in the, you know, the win right, streak. Right, right, right. Uh, and they've even, – even in the games they've won, though, they've – uh, two things have happened you know Vic Fangio's defense normally uh, you do not get big plays but they have surrendered a big play early in the game uh, four times uh, this year so uh, that's that's been kind of odd and unexpected especially with the the experience they have at safety which in Fangio's defense you got to have safeties yeah. that understand all of the assignments because there's an awful lot of zone and combination coverages, you know, man on one side, zone on the other. Uh, just there's a lot for safeties to do. Uh, and they've got tons of experience and talent there, but they've had some busts between those two guys. So that's been an odd thing to watch. So I would, I would think at some point Washington will take a crack early uh, to see if they've repaired any of that. And then the linebackers, they've been gutted. I mean, they've essentially had guys – now they made two trades uh, this week, so the, I think the right. Washington will see two linebackers they just acquired who were starting for other teams. So I think those guys are going to end up playing. But the front sevens had a hard time, especially when teams have run against their nickel because that they miss Josie Jewell and Alexander Johnson at linebacker. You know they could play nickel against the run with those two guys, and it worked fine. Uh, since they've both been hurt running against the nickel has been uh, something offensive that has succeeded at. And that's going to be one thing. If, if they don't get that squared away, it makes it hard because, you know, offenses are going to put you in nickel all the time now. I mean, that's right. just the way it is around the league. How is when healthy, how is Darby looked? Cause he was a guy that Washington wanted to resign yeah. and then Denver gave him more than they wanted to. And then they went out and got William Jackson. So how is Darby looked? He's played well. It's just he hasn't played much. I mean, he got injured in the opener uh, and then, you know, played against Cleveland. So it, it's been a while. So but when he's on the field, they're they're very different. You know, they've got depth there I mean, so much depth that, you know, Kyle Fuller has played barely at all when Darby's back in the lineup because uh, Pat Sertan, the second, the rookie, right. has essentially be, become the other starter. So Kyle Fuller, who signed an $8 million deal to come here for a year, uh, is on the bench now. So uh, otherwise they, but when Darby's in they're they got a lot of depth in the secondary and they can play the way they want to. It's the issues have been finding a way to stop the run enough that, I mean, the Browns had six uh, third and ones last Thursday night and you, you can't play defense yeah. if, if an offense is in third and one six times and then they had third and three two other times so that's eight eight cracks at at a pretty easy conversion and you know can't get off the field if you're facing those all the time and I'm going to ask you one last thing and this will be a question that I would get in trouble with if we we're in one of those Bristol summit meetings in April because yeah. it's a two-parter and then we're not supposed to ask them like that yeah, but, don't ask the two partners, man. Yeah, those are those are bad. So, what's the future for Fangio? And then, kind of, kind of connected to that, are you surprised where this franchise is at? Because this was, you know, Washington was for years as a hallmark franchise. 
but they've slowly gone downhill under owner Dan Snyder. Denver was always there, right? And it's been the last few years. It just hasn't been what we've expected. So what's the future of Fangio? And then what, what's going on overall with the franchise and the direction they're headed? Yeah, I mean, you know, John, Fangio's in the third year of a four-year deal. So that means you're on the clock. And I don't care who you are right? as a coach. You'd be a great coach be a spectacular coach. You can be a struggling coach. If you're in year three of a four-year deal, they are deciding your future when that season's over, you know, because they're not going to let you go into the last year of your deal, usually, because they know the locker room is basically going to say, you're in the last year of your deal. I don't really have to listen to you too much. No matter what happens, he's facing his future, essentially. So uh, they like a lot of what Vic has brought to the team. Uh, but they got to win more here. I mean, this is, I think sometimes because it's in the mountain time zone and, and people may not really think of it, but this franchise is embedded in an entire region. You know, I, I tell people all the time, it's like green Bay with mountains. You really got to understand, (laughs) you've got to understand what the level of how far and how deep the franchise runs here. This isn't, just another NFL city in that regard. Right. Uh, I mean, their, their sellout streak goes to the 1970, to the merger. They've sold out every single game since 1970. So, and if everyone canceled their season tickets tomorrow, the waiting list is big enough that they would fill the stadium again. So. Like you sound like me about 10 years ago. Yeah, no, and that's where they're at. And they know that and they, they covet that. And the team doesn't want to lose it. The issue for them is Pat Boland died. Right. And the kids are fighting over, over the team. Uh, So it will most likely be sold next year or after this season, at some point it will likely be on the market. And then that's what the future will be. Whoever the new owner is, but George Payton, the general manager uh, has power over the entire football operation by contract and he is in the first year of a six-year deal so george payton is really the the football uh driver at this point and he's only in year one with vic fangio so we're not sure yet how will george payton react to a losing season you know how will he approach criticism of his coach you know that type of we don't know yet because we haven't you know this is his first year here so but the fact he's in year one of a six-year deal means George Payton is really the guy driving the bus right now, and the ownership stuff will get figured out because they're still uh, the checks still get written here. They still have tons of money, and they still will have. They'll be one of the best teams cap-wise in the off-season of anybody, and they they proved it last season. They'll, they'll spend money if if they have to. And they can do that. So none of that's been affected. It's just, you know, they've they've had sort of this turnstile at quarterback since Manning retired. And they've they've fired a couple coaches too. So I mean that's or fired one coach and Gary Kubiak uh retired when he got he got sick, so or had some health issues. So uh all those things have come together and that's kind of where they're at. But George Payton's a pretty key guy in the in the, in the operation now, because they gave him contractually, they gave him power that bridges from here to any new owner. You know, if they get a new owner, the guy's going to have to pay him five years on his deal to, to change it. 
Legging, you're awesome. That was great. Oh, Thank you very much, man. And the draft stuff too, because you're two and when this team is two and five, and they know they need a quarterback, never too early to start that discussion. No. So thanks a lot. <laughs> thanks a lot. You know, you know the you know the beat writer adage, John. When in doubt, write the quarterback. <laughs> oh, it's, that is there always true. Always true. And I've been writing that for about twenty some years. So right. thanks a lot, man. Anytime. Thank you. That's it for this episode. Thanks to Jeff and Jamin for joining me. And thank you, as always, for tuning in. I'll be back with another episode after Sunday's game. Talk to you next time.